This is Ahwal Online, meeting point of accurate news and free comment on the current affairs of Turkey. Welcome to our podcast series. Welcome to Turkey Trends, part of Ahwal podcast series. Uh, my guest today uh, is uh, Suleyman Ozerin, uh, adjunct professor in George Mason University and head of the new think tank on Turkey, the Orion Policy Institute. Uh, and the topic today is very important. It's about uh, Erdogan troll army. Uh, and uh, to discuss uh, that, because uh, uh, Suleyman have published a very interesting research about uh, this phenomena using trolls as an army on social media to promote certain agendas uh, in Turkey. So Suleyman, thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Nirvana. Uh, uh, first, would, it would be great if you just elaborate a little bit about your new think tank, the Orion Policy Institute. What uh, uh, is, the, is this an independent think tank? Uh, tell me a bit more about it. Sure. Uh, The Orion Policy Institute uh, is established by my colleagues and I, who are academics at different universities uh, in the United States, in Canada and Europe. This is an independent think tank, uh, which means we don't have any affiliation with uh, certain individuals or groups. But uh, this being said, we are looking forward to partnerships, uh, collaboration and cooperation in the area of research and analysis. Uh, so uh, this is not uh, the Orion Policy Institute is not going to focus uh, solely on Turkey. Turkey would be just one of the many topics that we will be uh, uh, covering. So, for example, uh, from you know, uh, from uh, global and, and domestic security issues to uh, uh, human rights, democracy, we are going to be covering. Uh, uh, range of areas and, and, and disciplines. I think the sort of uh, one of the distinctive aspects of the Orion Policy Institute is that our, we are going to promote policy through high quality research. Uh, in, in other words, we are, we are very much looking forward to uh, producing publications, research reports, uh, policy briefs, op-eds uh, based on uh, evidence-based research. Brilliant, uh, but uh, the the, uh, the research you just published about uh, the political astroturfing and Twitterscape uh, is not funded by any country or any entity. It's just no. your your post. Great, no, it's just voluntary work, and it, it took us more than eleven months to finish this work. My colleagues and I worked days and night, and it is it is solely and totally voluntary based. Fantastic. I have to say, I read it in depth and it is really amazing and I applaud you for this hard work. So you mentioned the rule uh, of uh, the uh, AKP uh, Youth Army uh, and the political astroturfing campaign. Can you just first define what is political astroturfing mean? I I think uh, political astroturfing is basically a a a centrally coordinated disinformation campaign. In other words, uh, there is an entity and that entity exists solely for disinformation. In our research, uh, the youth organization of the AKP has involved in extensive uh, disinformation campaign 
on social media. And in political astroturfing, uh, it is not just about uh, disseminating disinformation, uh, but it is also about dominating the, the public discourse and leaving no room whatsoever uh, for the opposition voices. Uh, so in this case, the AKP youth have been uh, utilized uh, to dominate the public discourse in favor of the AKP. And of course, they also intimidated uh, the, pol uh, the political opposition. Uh, what language they use? I mean, is they are focusing mainly on Turkish audience or it they was, use it English? It was Turkish. It was, it was Turkish. Turkish. Yes. Right. Uh, fascinating. Uh, so the next step, I mean, you mention or you analyze 6,252 Turkish state-sponsored account. That is huge, um, the number. Uh, and and uh, you mention that uh, they work in critical uh, incidents and the uh, during election seasons. Is that correct? Yes, Nirvana. Uh, actually, the Twitter itself has suspended and removed more than 7,000 accounts that are that attributed to AKP's youth organization. In other words, these were trolls uh, organized, funded, coordinated by the AKP itself. Uh, so because of the disinformation campaigns and misinformation, misinformation campaigns on social media, uh, Twitter decided to take down these accounts along with other accounts uh, in Russia and in China. And as you, as you mentioned, there are two distinct areas where these accounts have been very active. The first one we categorize as the uh, critical national events or incidents. And the second one uh, is the elections. Mm -hmm. And when we look at the, the uh, accounts that we analyzed, uh, the, for example, the account creation uh, the number of accounts that, that are created during those times, the hashtags that they posted, the Twitter messages that they retweeted have uh, increased significantly. So there were times where these accounts uh, witnessed sort of peak, uh, sort of surge uh, to, again, to respond to a, a national critical incident or to respond to election uh, periods. Mm -hmm. And do you see, did you see that this account were successful in reaching and convincing the Turkish public? I think when we look at the sort of evolution of these accounts, for example, the, the, one of the very first time when these accounts have been sort of uh, initiated, uh, mm -hmm. used, uh, was during the Gezi Park protest in 2013. Yes. As you, yeah, as you might remember, the Gezi Park protesters have been very successful in using social media. Absolutely, uh, absolutely. Yeah, to organize their uh, activities. And as a response to this, uh, AKP decided to create uh, the very first sort of uh, troll armies, and we also call them Octrolls. Uh, these troll accounts have been active to discredit the Gezi Park protests portrayed it as an extension of a foreign intervention. Uh, and similarly, we saw a sort of similar response or reflexive response uh, from the troll armies during the and aftermath of the uh, uh, corruption and bribery operations of 17th and 25th of December, 2013. 
-hmm. At that time, the, in these two incidents, one of the patterns that we saw is that those uh, AKB response was sort of a reactive, responsive, uh, right. sort of exercise. Those times, like they, they use those incidents to establish the troll armies and to sort of train them and to you know sort of gain more experience. But following those incidents, for example, during the local elections in 2014 and the rest of the incidents, we saw sort of uh, becoming more excelled, you know, more experienced. And instead of being responsive, they were more of a uh, you know proactive. I see. I see. Uh, I, uh, how about your experience? It might be not in your research because you focus on the events inside Turkey. But have you uh, have any, um, you know, uh, have you encountered the impacts of those trolls on the events of foreign policy, for example? I personally, in 2013, noticed the increased Turkish trolls activity uh, during the uh, removal of um, Morsi, uh, Muslim Brotherhood president in Egypt. And they have gone wild to demonize the Egyptian people who, who were against the Muslim Brotherhood. What impact, so my question is, what impact of those trolls on Turkey foreign policy? Because now Turkey is expanding in, its, in the Middle East, if that makes yeah, sense. Exactly. You know, I totally agree. I mean, when we look at the domestic policy and foreign policy of Turkey during mm -hmm. the AKP rule, I think, I think it is impossible to sort of, uh, you know, uh, differentiate or separate these two from each other because Erdogan uh, purposefully use domestic violence, uh, domestic, so domestic politics as a leverage right. uh, in foreign domain, vice versa. He used foreign policy issues at the domestic level to promote uh, AKP's political agenda. This, uh, this being said, I think when we look at the Twitter accounts and how they responded to certain incidents, for example, Kobani incidents, mm. for example, the, the uh, military intervention in Syria, uh, uh, the uh, uh, Pastor Brownson incident, you know, the, the, so the incident that uh, created a tension between Trump administration and Erdogan administration. Mm -hmm. We saw uh, a certain activities increase in the activities of these troll accounts, which means uh, it is not just limited to during to uh, you know the the activities in Egypt, mm -hmm. but also they are they have been active in different uh, areas. In, right. in, in terms of Syrian policy, in terms of US-Turkey relations. But interestingly, Nirvana, these accounts have always been sort of targeting uh, certain countries or individuals or institutions, regardless of their primary sort of focus. For example, while they were uh, you know, posting tweets on about Gezi Park protests or corruption operations or Kobani incidents, they right. always try to portray the United States, uh, the CIA, European Union, the Zionists as sort of complicit of the of those incidents. And what I'm saying is, uh, I think the convergence between domestic policies and foreign policy uh, has become so common, has become so uh, common that these troll accounts also have been active in two different areas at the same time. 
Fascinating, because I, I mean, I just want to reiterate what you said, that it's the use of domestic events versus, uh, versus foreign policy things and make both entities or both policies serve each other and demonizing certain like PKK, uh, United, Arab, United States and obviously United Arab Emirates. I know it's not mentioned in your research, but uh, now we the phenomena have been evolving for now nearly uh, maybe um, eight years, if I uh, stand to be corrected. You mentioned it from 2010 in your follow-up and how it increased around 2013 uh, and the Jersey protest, etc. But it is non-stop. It's, you know, relentless. Even now, during the fires, um, during uh, the, there was uh, people uh, saying Turkey need help and the government and their trolls immediately created a counter campaign saying that state is fine and doesn't need help. Did you notice that or uh, am I, you know, uh, misreading things? Exactly. I mean, this is, you know, it is always about uh, dominating the public uh, discourse, but also it is about, you know, it is about always showing everyone, not just their followers, but the the opposition that they are in control. They they don't they cannot handle uh, being seen as weak. Uh, as you mentioned, the the sort of you know help Turkey hashtag yes. was and is very innocent sort of call to the international community so yes. that they would pay attention to what has been going on in Turkey. Mm -hmm. but, but, uh, but the government and especially the communication director of the Erdogan's government uh, portrayed that as a as sort of an activity coordinated from one center. What yes. center that is, no one knows. Who that center that is, no one knows and no one cares. So I think the sort of countering help Turkey hashtag with strong Turkey, uh, basically uh, aims to you know ad aims to show their followers, the public that uh, everything's under control, nothing is happening. Uh, but the the unfortunate thing is that while the you know, force are, are you know the force fire is continuing, uh, their focus should be basically helping the people and putting off that fire. But they are trying to, uh, I think, use even that incident uh, in their advantage in favor of the AKP because elections are approaching. They cannot, there is no room for them to be seen as weak. That is, that is the problem. And uh, how do you see the future of these the, uh, organized uh, misinformation campaigns? Do you see the public in Turkey still buying them? Or do you see it will be only a phenomena bought and believed by the hardcore supporters of Erdogan and his AKP party? Uh, and also the AKP is not a unified party. There are wings in the AKP probably behind the scene feeling uneasy about it, isn't it? Yes, exactly. Nirvana, when, when we look at the data that we, we uh, analyzed, we uh, categorize you know, uh, certain political affiliations into four general categories, uh, pro-Erdogan, Kemalist, uh, nationalist, and pro-Kurdish. Uh, the reason I'm mentioning uh, about these details is that when we look at especially the Kemalist accounts, and again, these are all actuals. These are members of the troll armies, but they are portraying themselves. They, they are posing as if they are the authentic 
followers or, or sympathizers of the uh, uh, Republican People's Party. Right. Uh, and why are they doing they are, that? And it is, there's a term, it is a technical term, but it is what is called sub, uh, uh, puppetry, which means the, these individuals create false identities by concealing the actual identities and they pretend to be uh, sympathizers and supporters of A or B political party, while actually they are members of the AKP uh, uh, troll armies. When they post messages, they post messages in such a way that they, uh, they portray them, even though they are members of the you know, JHP, the main opposition party, they post messages to support AKP policies. And they criticize Kemal Kılıçdaroğlu, who is the leader of the main opposition party. What I'm saying is here, even though, yes, the problems in economy, social, political tensions are increasing in Turkey, but the trolls are also evolved. They are evolving constantly to basically responding to changing environments. I think in the future, and now the trend is, has already begun, they are changing their modus operandi in terms of the messaging methods, the content of the messages, so that they could be embedded into the mainstream followers of the opposition party members. Wow. Uh, what, I'm, what I'm saying is this trend is gonna continue regardless. Uh, so uh, I, I think, yes, there's a recent survey in Turkey, which, which was conducted like a couple of days, weeks ago. And according to that survey, more than 70%, right, this is an, an amazing number, 70% of the people believe that corruption increased in Turkey. It is amazing to me because uh, almost uh, more than nine years ago, or eight years ago in 2013, when the corruption operations uh, revealed a very deep and expansive uh, uh, corruption uh, within the AKP government, the public sort of didn't pay attention to that because economy, uh, there wasn't uh, sort of economic dis uh, instability. Uh, so, but now as the economy crisis deepens, I think people realize that a part of the problem is corruption. As you mentioned, the, you know, the forest fire also indicated uh, a fact that although Turkey has been seen as the regional power, you know, a sort of intervening in different countries, uh, peace builder or whatever, however they define it, uh, people realize that uh, the government didn't allocate any resources for this kind of crisis. And I think that, that kind of weakness, that kind of vulnerability uh, transformed itself into the perception that it is because of corruption. This being said, I think the social media is going to be another, uh, uh, another platform uh, for the troll armies and the opposition parties to win the uh, public sentiment, to influence the public perceptions. That is why I think AKP government is going to continue using uh, troll armies while at the same time try to use other tools to silence the opposition. Okay, one last question. Uh, do you see the opposition in Turkey trying to match up to that, or at least try to debunk uh, 
the false information spreading against them. And is this effort is successful or it's a non-starters? I think if you if if the questions about the opposition political parties, I must say I, they are not helping the, uh, the dissenting voices, the opposition voices, but they are indirectly uh, somehow they are ending up helping the ruling party. Uh, instead of focusing on the real problems, uh, what we see, uh, especially by some of the members of the um, opposite, main opposition party, they are tackling down or they are taking on certain issues which are not priority of the society. Right. Uh, this being said, however, the individuals, you know, the members of NGOs, activists, yes. uh, independent journalists, I think they are much more effective. Journalists, not just in Turkey, but journalists who are exile, in exile. Yes. They, are, they have, have, I mean, they, their followers, uh, in, the number of their followers incre are increasing because people want to listen to the realities, not some socially constructed realities, but the actual facts on the ground. That is why I think the individuals, activists and NGOs, uh, whether these are the human rights activists or whether these are the journalists or intellectuals, I think they are much more effective on social media. That is why now the government is preparing another, another uh, legal tool to silence the opposition in, in the name of fighting against disinformation. I think they are gonna, they are gonna try and close down every channels for the facts for the voices who are basically talking about the realities, but, uh, but by blocking them, they are trying to basically shut down these kinds of challenge, uh, channels. That is, this is uh, uh, one of the concerns that I, I, I'm, I'm thinking about. So uh, I think the opposition parties should do more on preventing this from happening. I don't know how they are gonna do that. Uh, Professor Suleiman Ozerin, thank you so much for that. I hope uh, people will wake up and the Turkish public will wake up uh, uh, and stand and not buying the Turkish trolls narrative and their evolution and their embedding in false identities because this is dangerous and the future of Turkey is hanging on the balance. Uh, I wish my Turkish brothers and sisters all the best. Thank you so much, Professor Ozerin. Thank you, Nirvana, for having me. You can follow Ahwal News Online podcast series through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Spreaker. All you need to know about Turkey is here for your ears, mind, and attention. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Thank you.